So I waked in the morning and I stepped outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream from the top of my lungs, what's going down? What the hell is going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Talking Tremors. I am your host, Levi Dylan Burzlov Lut. Holy shit, you all better be ready for this. So we just did two commentaries for Shrieker Island and A Cold Day in Hell. They have absolutely broken my spirit and soul because they were such shitty fucking movies. So, on that note, I decided to do something that's a lot better and it actually fits into the timeline between 6 and the 5th movie. That's right, folks. We're going to do the Kevin Bacon Tremors pilot. What? And I know what you're thinking. You're like... But that doesn't exist. Where did you... You can't get that. And I'm just like, oh, really? Huh? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, maybe you guys should follow that, uh, the Tremor Saga Twitter thing, because it seems like they know what the fuck they're doing. I mean, come on, people. (sighs) So, we're going to do this, and I had a whole think about it. I have an entire fucking uh, list of things that I could go through for behind the scenes, but... I didn't want any of you to listen without knowing what the fuck I was talking about. And I know that a lot of people don't read, or don't read as much as they should, I guess. So I am going to do a read-through of this script for you. I know, you're like, what? Why? I don't care. It's happening. Because when you need it and don't have it, you sing a different tune. Alright, folks. I want to start this with a huge, huge, huge thank you. Two, Andrew Miller, Vincenzo Natale, and Kevin Bacon. This script is awesome. Thank you, Kevin, for being willing to take the piss out on yourself. Pun intended, you'll see. And thank you, Vincenzo, for getting in there and really making this. I'd love to see the Ash vs. Evil Dead of what you did for this season. And Andrew Miller, man, I am so sorry, and I love you, dude. This sucks. I have heard, I've had to listen to you on interviews. I can tell that this hurts you. I'm going to do this for you, buddy. We're getting this out there, we are getting that episode seen. That is the whole point of all of this podcast. We're done with the Hollywood bullshit. We're making something new. All right? We're, we're making it. So without further fucking ado, uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to jump right in, and I hope you enjoy. Exterior. Perfection Valley, Nevada. Day. Surrounded by mountains and canyons, the valley is cut off from the rest of the world. The desert floor scorched like it hasn't taken a breath for decades. But when we look closer, we feel the faintest trace of a pulse. Grains of sand shift. A pebble rolls off its rocky perch as though life is trying to break through. Or maybe it's just the wind. (laughs) A yellow pickup truck speeds past. Val McKee, Graboid Hunter, and Handyman, is painted on the truck's door. The black crow's hard-to-handle blast from the radio and is drowned out by... Hey, little lady, laba da ba da dee da ba da cause mama, I'm so hard to handle now. <laughs> Valentine McKee sings with the passion of a guy who doesn't know how awful he sounds. Or cares. Fifties. A much older version of the coolest guy from your high school, 
or a much older version of the coolest guy from a movie you saw when you were in high school, trouble in a beat-up cowboy hat. Exterior, cliffside day. The truck abruptly turns off the road and skids to a stop. Val leaps out like a man possessed and runs to the edge of a deep canyon. Unbuckles his pants to take a piss, but nothing comes out. Annoyed, he glares down at his penis. Think this is funny? (laughs) He zips up and heads for the truck, but stops halfway there and quickly yanks down his pants again because this is happening right now! Except, again, nothing happens. Come on, man. We're a team. When I was a kid, we could hit a target 15 feet away. 20. Or how about when we wrote Rhonda's name in the sand? Rhonda Penelope LeBeck. It was a goddamn masterpiece. And that kind of technique doesn't just go away. So let's do this the way I know we can. He closes his eyes, breathes deeply, and nothing. Frustrated, he tilts his head towards the heavens. God, I know we don't talk much, but you see how screwed up this is, right? So if you wouldn't mind bestowing some of your holy magic. A high-pitched shriek pierces the valley, startles Val. Did I say something wrong? Then... From beneath his feet comes faint rubbling. Val immediately tenses and looks down at the ground where rocks vibrate on the crusty surface. He's terrified. He checks the truck. 25 feet away. Can he make it? Has to. Takes a few soft steps. But the rumbling gets closer. Too close. Val freezes, braces for the unfathomable. A seam in the ground rips open right in front of him. And out pop six prairie dogs. Not at all what he expected. They scatter, running scared. Val dances out of the way as they scurry under his feet, but loses his balance and falls on one, smashing his shoulder onto the ground. He yells out as they run off, Goddamn dog rats! He struggles to stand. The rodent squeezes out from under Val and limps away, but doesn't get very far. He's hurt. Val sees. Sorry, little guy. He brushes sand off his jeans, then notices a wet spot next to the zipper. He grumbles and heads for the truck. When he looks back, the prairie dog is gone. Camera is low. As Val's truck finds the dusty road, in the foreground is the spot where the prairie dog was. We notice drops of blood and sand is filling in where a hole just was. Title. Tremors. Exterior. Perfection. Main road. Day. The Edward Hopper-esque desert landscape is tainted by the inexplicable presence of two brand new tech structures. Shiny solar panels solar panels tilted on their roofs surrounded by a metal fence through which a van emerges and heads down a dirt road leading onto the main road. It speeds past a welcome to perfection, home of the graboid sign, featuring a giant worm-like monster with tentacles reaching out of its mouth. Exterior perfection, day. 
a small town with a big identity crisis. The van drives past quaint ma and pa shops crammed between 90s era stores and offices, but the conflicting styles are unified by two themes. The first is failure. Most of the offices and stores are boarded up, creating a depressing ghost town feel. The second is graboids. Images of the worm-like monster are everywhere. Grab a size fitness, grab a coffee, and Graboid Museum and Art Center that boasts a gigantic statue of Val riding a graboid like a cowboy out front. Harlan Prelap. What if none of this is real? Interior, Chang's Market Day. Groceries, household goods, and a greasy diner. Everything the other stores used to carry. Heavy on graboid decor. Harlan Mailer, the guy we just heard, is a scruffy mess in his late 40s. He sits at the counter, talking to Nico Duran. 20s, Nico's a cool cowboy type. Eating alone, writing in a journal. Definitely feels... Nico, definitely feels like a nightmare. Framed newspaper and magazine articles covering the walls. Monsters attacked small town. Terror Tuesday in perfection. Then, no more monsters. Where'd the worms go? President Bush declares, Graboids gone for good. Most articles feature photos of a young Val. Handsome hero saves town. Hunky Graboid hunter. Val M Valentine McKee worms into America's heart. Even Patrick Swayze's Sexiest Man Alive 1991 People Magazine cover has a photo of Val in the corner with the caption, Graboid hunk is pure perfection. See, there's a theory that what we think is reality is really just a consensus of opinion. Harlan continues, because the concept of True existence is so overwhelming. Trying to comprehend it would just fry our tiny human brains. And so, we just go with the reality everyone else is cool with. Which means, truth isn't true at all. It's just this word we use to describe the perception of something that got the most subconscious votes. Nico wasn't asking for this discussion, but he isn't afraid of it either. So if everyone stopped thinking of this place as a wasteland, it would stop being one. <laughs> but that's where it gets interesting. As Ananin said, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. Is she calling me a wasteland? She's saying the reality we create around us comes from inside us. Jai Chang suddenly clears Harlan's unfinished breakfast plate, muttering, My life would be way more awesome. <sighs> She's 17 with the coolness of a teen assassin. Harlan starts to protest, but Grace Chang intervenes. She owns and operates the place. 60s, acerbaic, intimidating, scary, but still sexy. You're done. What did I say about spewing your self-help bullshit in here? It freaks people out. Harlan looks around at the otherwise empty place, then slides over to his stool closer to Nico. See, you want to leave because you hate it here. But if you did contribute to its creation, the aspects you hate will follow you. I sure as hell didn't make any of this. Then why haven't you left? Maybe I have. 
Maybe I'm just a fragment of reality you all can't let go of. Smack! A Graboid beer cozy hits Harlan in the face. Grace, see, you, you've broken him. The door opens and a group of men walk in. Six of them. Toby Kent, a professional type with a big smile and twinkle in his eye, approaches the counter. Morning! Six large coffees to go, please. The request gets a sneer from Grace, who turns to the coffee machine. Toby takes it in stride, extends his hand to Harland. Hi! Toby Kent! Yeah, uh, you guys all done up there? You bet! The servers are online and unmanned, and so those gentlemen are the last nerdy strangers you'll see lurking around your lovely town. I, uh, hope we haven't been too much of an imposition this past year. Grace returns to the counter, empty-handed. Sorry, coffee's all gone. Toby looks over at the full pot of coffee. Oh, but, uh, dude, just go. Everyone hates you. They were promised a tech boom and got two giant tombstones. Tech boom? We're, we're, just, a data sto- we're just a data storage company. The door burst open. It's Val in a fresh pair of jeans. Gonna be a great goddamn day. He grabs the stool next to Harlan. Grace immediately sets down a coffee and a beer. Just coffee today? Thank you. <laughs> Grace reaches for the beer, but Val has second thoughts and takes a quick sip. Grace leaves it on the counter. Harlan. So, uh, what time does Emily get here? Val quickly checks the grabway clock on the wall. It's bad. Oh, shit. I got sidelined. Grace, uh, you got my package. He notices Toby in the Datalux text for the first time and quickly slips into charming salesman mode. Datalux, right? I never heard back from you guys about choosing Graboid Word for all your special event needs. We put the thrills and chills and everything from office retreats to bar mitzvahs. Too late. They're leaving town. How about a going away party? <laughs> uh, these boys are headed home, but I'll be around a few more days. And you're in luck. My daughter holds the record for consecutive VIP Tour Guide of the Month awards. And she'll be here any minute. No tours. Park's flooded. Huh? Jai saw yesterday. Why didn't you tell me? Uh, how could I have guessed today was going to be peak season? God damn it. Just go. I'll wait for Emily. Val nods. Grace hands him a wrap package as he starts out of the store. Nico, hold up. I'm coming with you. Relax, kid. If I take a dump, I'll be sure to holler. I can't let you near any pipes without an Earl's employee present. Val stops, glares at Nico, his blood starting to boil. Eyes an old frame photo of him arm in arm with Earl Bassett. Well, it's my damn park, so he can mind his own business. His pipes, his business. I'll get my tools. Nico starts for the door. Val follows. Earl be nothing without me. He's just a man without vision. Can't even see how lucky he was to know me. And yet he's just expanded into his sixth city. Only proves how full of shit he is. Exterior, Chang's Market, day. As Val comes out, he's blasted with a bright reflection in his face. He swats at it like it's a swarm of flies. Harlan is right behind him. God damn, Datalux! It's coming from the sun bouncing solar panels on top of the Datalux building in the distance. Val heads for his truck. Let him help. The, the faster you fix it, the sooner you'll be back. 
And how long is Emily staying? Val smiles, confident and knowing. Well, that's the magic question, isn't it? She hasn't said. Not lately, anyway. It takes Harland a second to figure out what he means. You made that deal a long time ago. But don't you say time's like a pancake and everything we do has already happened and will happen again and again and again and again? So yeah, me and him might have ordered that tall stack of flapjacks just 20 years ago, but we also ordered it 20 seconds ago, too. Right? A loud crack spins both their heads to grab her size fitness just up the street. Something is breaking through one of the boarded-up windows! Val takes a nervous step forward. A woman's leg emerges from the window. It belongs to Zoe. Mid-twenties, climbing out the window, a pastiche of ethnicities, piercings, and tattoos. Val settles down at the sight of her, but Harlan notes his anxiety. Two other girls emerge behind Zoe. They all wear yoga gear. When Zoe sees Val and Harlan, she smiles. Morning, boys! You ladies sweating to the oldies? Yoga, you should uh, join us sometime. Harlan, I bet you know your way around a barjava, barvada, baradajava twist. I assume that's a yoga move. <laughs> baradajava twist. Enough to know I'd never get out of it alive. Where's Charlie Manson? <laughs> Zoe smiles appreciatively. Setting up our new irrigation system. <laughs> Nico slams his toolbox back in the in the back of Val's truck. Hate to interrupt your flirting. Exterior, desert, day. Two cars race down a desert highway and disappear into a tunnel. As they pass, the earth shakes ever so slightly. Exterior, tunnel, day. The cars emerge from the tunnel's other side and pull off to the side of the road. Melvin Plug steps out of the first. Forties, not nearly as slick as he wants to be. Jessica Hale comes out of the other car. Also 40s, smart and accomplished, well beyond the shitty situation she now finds herself in. Jessica. So what happened to the hot guy who killed all the graboids? Melvin. I grew up. I got rich. No, no, no. Really hot, cowboy eyes, and amazing hair. My best friend had his poster in her locker and in her bedroom. We had a sleepover one night. <laughs> yeah. Val. And you know what? He's been doing the last 25 years after the press and army and tourists got sick of waiting for Graboids to show back up. Fuck all! So stop acting like a fangirl and start engineering. Yeah, this tunnel can't be made any wider. Her certainty infuriates Melvin. You haven't scanned or x-rayed? Don't have to. This is the only way in or out, and I'm expecting a lot more traffic. So find a way to sign off. I lose my license. Melvin changes tact. His tone drips with repulsiveness. <laughs> You're an aging black woman playing a young white man's game. And your hard-on for safety sounds like nagging, which is why you're out here in the middle of nowhere with me. I need your integrity, and you definitely need my job. <sighs> You're an asshole. You know that? Asshole. Hero. Let's let destiny be the judge. Interior, Val's truck, day. Val brings the truck to a stop. Nico rides shotgun. When's the last time you actually had a paying customer? 
you don't know shit about the amusement park business. It's cyclical. Why do you think Walt Disney froze himself? Thal gets out of the truck. Nico follows. They're parked outside a giant graboid head entrance that leads into a rundown amusement park. Graboid roller coaster, graboid water slide. Val collects equipment out of the back of the truck. Exterior. Graboid world. Perimeter fence. Stay. Val and Nico walk along the outskirts of the park. Both men wear coveralls and boots. How's Emily getting in from the airport? Can't see how that matters to you. What? Emily? No. No, I, I expect not. <laughs> that spark, smirks most of me. Nothing. <laughs> they enter an area marked employees only. Let me save you some humiliation, kid. You got decent hair. <laughs> but Emily's way out of your league. <laughs> and I... Yeah, Emily's way out of your league. And if you knew her at all, I wouldn't have to tell you. Actually, we spent a lot of time together on her last visit. Bullshit! I was there. <laughs> Sly smile from Nico. For most of it, sure, but... You think you know what's really going on with her? What her favorite band is, or beer, or the, the kind of books she reads, the, the kind of guys she dates? Probably lots of things you don't know. He has successfully gotten under Val's skin, but I know how she's getting in from the airport. He opens large metal storm doors buried in the ground. Nico puts up his hand. I, I got this. I, I do it every day. Don't mean you do it right. He climbs underground. Interior corrugated housing pipe day. Val descends into four foot diameter pipe, along the top of which runs the park's water, sewage, and electrical pipes. He puts a small flashlight in his mouth and crawls through the dark claustrophobic space. Water running along the bottom of the pipe adds an annoying layer of discomfort. Nico off screen. Want to turn back? He yells this louder than is necessary, and the echoing sound pisses Val off. But he turns and presses on, slowly and awkwardly, until he hears a growl coming from around a bend in the tunnel. What the fuck was that? Animal? Mechanical? He uneasily pokes his head around and sees only that the corrugated housing has been bashed in from the outside, causing a ruptured water pipe. He advances advances and reaches up for a valve nearby, takes out a wrench, water spraying in his face as he tries to turn it off, when another growl loud. This one is quickly followed by a deep thud. Something banging into the outside of the housing pipe. Fear washes over Val's face, and he twists his body around to crawl back out. Another growl, followed by another thud. The sound echoes through the metal pipe and shakes Val to his core. He drops the flashlight and digs for it in the water, but comes up empty and madly scrambles the last few feet towards the pipe opening, but stops suddenly. His eyes fill with panic. Something has his leg. He looks back, but without the flashlight, it's too dark to see. He desperately tries to yank himself free. Help! What? Graboid! It's got my leg! Nico reaches into the pipe and grabs Val's arm. He pulls as Val pushes against the walls to move forward until finally something gives, and Nico yanks Val up. Exterior, Graboid World Day. Val scrambles out of the storm doors, terrified. 
It's still in there. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, I, I think he killed it. Nico points to a tube wrapped around Val's leg. Val sees it, but doesn't understand. There's no way that's what grabbed him. Exterior. Perfection. Main road. Day. The Daedalux van drives into view. As it moves across frame, we hear a high-pitched shriek, the same one Val heard earlier. It speeds away from us, past a leaving perfection sign. We'll miss you! Camera lingers behind a moment. The sign jerks to the side, as though it was hit from below the ground. Exterior. Desert. Day. Camera tracks with a bicycle tire, rolling along the desert floor, bouncing, dragging, and slamming into the ground. It's a constricting view that suggests imminent danger. Jai's writing. She spins around on a sunken, abandoned cement bunker. When a woman appears out of nowhere, it scares the shit out of Jai, who goes flying to the ground. The woman rushes over. Mindy Sterngood? Thirties. Blonde hair, inviting but mischievous eyes, carrying a metal briefcase. It's clear that neither one of them wanted to be caught out here. Mindy, you okay? Jai, where the hell did you come from? Uh, nowhere. I, 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 I'm just walking. Uh, Jai knows this is bullshit and is about to question her. But where are you going? Now it's Jai who doesn't want to answer. Suits Mindy fine. Let me take you to the clinic. I, I, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Th thanks, though. She nods to Mindy, jumps back on her bike, and rides off. Mindy breathes a sigh of relief. Exterior tunnel. Day. Melvin struggles to find a phone signal while Jessica takes measurements in, inside the tunnel. The Daedalux van appears over the crest of a hill, driving erratically. It turns a corner and crashes into the wall. Exterior, Chang's Market, day. Nico and Val get out of Val's truck. Val limps badly. Nico's really enjoying himself. I heard something. And what would you have done if it was a graboid? Kill it with your old man smell? Nico continues as they walk into Interior, Chang's Market, day. Challenge it to a duel. Fax it an angry note. Uh, pump it with your Viagra. Val's finally had enough and bears down on Nico. I was killing graboids when you were still shitting your diaper. So when I say I heard something, Emily, hey, Dad. Val spins around to see Emily sitting next to Harlan at the counter, early 20s, magnetic and appealing. Princess! <laughs> he wraps her up in a wet, dirty, stinky hug. Why are you limping? <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Uh, let's go home and get you settled. Where's your stuff? Can we talk outside? Of course. Val shoots Harlan a confident wink as he follows her outside. Exterior, Chang's Market Day. Val can't stop smiling as they stroll down the steps. So, Dad, here's the thing. Hey, why don't I grab us a couple of ice cream sandwiches? Remember how we used to eat them out here and share stories about our days? I had ice cream, you had beer. Well, I could get us a couple of beers. No, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. What I, what I wanted to say is between exams and internship applications, I, 
I barely got my thesis on, in on time, which is why I haven't called much lately. I totally get it. I never got my school stuff in on time either. <laughs> well, I, I've been going through it with a crew of girls, and we wanted to have one last blowout together in Vegas tonight. It was supposed to be next week, but one of the girls... I'm, I'm really sorry. So I'll, I'll see you in a few days. Well, that's the other thing. You know those internships? I got one. A good one. But it starts Monday in Greenland. For two years. Shit. That's a lot of years. I know, but... It's such a great opportunity, and I'll be working with a really important biologist, an old colleague of Mom's. Val tries to hide, tries to hide his intense disappointment. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I guess I could come visit, right? Absolutely. You'd love Greenland. Of course I would, and I could knock it off my bucket list. Give me a reason to make a bucket list. <laughs> Settled. So you're... You're not mad? Hell no. Just proud. She smiles. Val opens up the passenger door of his truck for her, helps her up, and goes to the other side. We'll make the most of time we got, starting with a grilled cheese French toast celebration lunch. <laughs> Definitely haven't had a, one of those in a while. Emily smiles as they start driving down the street. Nico comes out of Chang's and watches them go, but... Val doesn't get far when a car comes barreling down Main Street and skids to a stop in front of the medical clinic. Melvin leaps out. Is Mindy here? Doc's not in town, Melvin. What you need is a shrink anyway. She's on her way, asshole. Jessica's, Jessica's car pulls up behind Melvin's and she gets out, still shaken. Val is stunned by the sight of this refined visitor in town. Well, howdy, ma'am, if you're here with Melvin. I'm going to assume it's under duress. <laughs> Give me a signal and I'll, I'll call the police. <laughs> uh, thanks, but it's not me. Who needs your bravado? Melvin opens the back door. A lifeless arm flops out. Whoa! Harlan and Nico come out of Chang's and immediately see the driver. Harlan recognizes him first. His deathly pale eyes roll back in his head and his veins abnormally promount pronounced. It's the Datalux driver. Another car speeds down the main street. Mindy jumps out and rushes to examine the driver. Everyone crowds in to see. I, I've got a pulse. She turns to Val. Her tone is soft and concerned. Hey, you okay? What happened? I'm the one who called you. I was there. The van smashed into the side of a cliff. Why does he look like that? <laughs> Probably saw himself in the mirror. Look at those creepy eyes. Melvin steps toward the driver, but Mindy stops him. Don't touch him. Where are the other guys? What other guys? He was driving five Datalux techs. So where'd they all go? No one knows. With trepidation, Val offers a suggestion. Raboids. That's where. Everyone turns and looks at him like he's crazy. End of Act One. Booyah. Act Two.
exterior deliberates comp exterior deliberates compound day just outside town is the crumbling ruin of an ancient mining project now covered into a millennial now converted now converted into a millennial utopia Jai pulls up and removes the front tire of her bike. Arthur Brandt approaches, holding a bicycle tire in his 20s. Fire in his eyes, smoking a very big joint. Arthur, my delicate Asian flower. Not any of those things, <laughs> responds Jai. Arthur swaps Jai's tire with his and hands her an envelope of cast. She checks to make sure the money is right. Stay, we've we've got a new strain. Yeah, I can smell it. Uh, and might never smell anything else again. Your senses have been programmed by synthetic lies. Designed to separate you from nature and soften the guilt you feel for destroying it. This roots you back to the earth. I'm good with the money. Thanks. It's just paper, and embracing perfection's energy vortex is infinitely more fulfilling. We came a long way for the privilege and have not been disappointed. Yeah, well, I have intimacy issues. Vortex hugs freak me out. She turns, just as Zoe and her friends walk up from the road. Zoe smiles as Jai flirtatiously as she passes. Hey, Jai. Jai nods. Zoe goes to Arthur and whispers conspiratorially, I had another vision. Arthur's eyes light up and he turns to her eagerly. Zoe nods. She's getting closer. Exterior, Chang's Market, Day. Val, Melvin, Harlan, Jessica, and Grace are spread out around Chang's porch across from the clinic. Well, what else would make the prairie dog so scared? Probably you, what were you doing out there? Pissing on them? So what smashed up the pipes on the graboid world? I heard some... Those were voices inside your head telling you to stop being crazy. Yeah, see, she knows. And you never stop talking long enough to hear the voices telling you to stop talking. <laughs> Jessica, to Val, I thought you killed all the graboids. So did I. So did the world. But maybe we were wrong. Maybe they've been hibernating. Who knows? But how does that explain the driver? Maybe he saw a graboiding and got scared stiff. That's a horrifying thought. Don't listen to him. He's like a, a PTSD vet at a fireworks convention. Melvin laughs at his joke, but no one else does. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, so was I. You spent the entire time on a roof screaming like a little girl. Do girls scream differently than boys when they're being attacked by monsters? I'll try to be more boyish if they come around. Jessica walks off to find cell reception. Val tries to process what he said wrong. There, there must be another explanation. We've had false alarms before. Now you're on his side? Pal, I'm on your side. Off Val's dubious look. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm praying you're not as batshit crazy as we all know you are, because if they did come back, we'd have another Graboid boom, and whoever wasn't massacred would be rich. But they're not. They're dead, and you're insane. And if perfection doesn't evolve, it's finished. 
What happened to becoming the Silicon Valley of the Southwest Valley? Datalux obviously didn't attract the business I had hoped, but at least I'm trying. Keep your goddamn voice down. They're under there. They'll hear our vibrations. We shouldn't even be outside. Stop with the graboids. Fine. Bury your heads in the sand. Which, if I'm right, is a really stupid place to put your heads. I'm going to fire up the early warning system, just in case. It's broken. What? Since when? Five months ago, uh, ten, maybe. We've been sitting ducks, not even remotely. Safety precautions, you know, they take money. I'll fix it my damn self. I'll fix it. I built the thing. You need to spend time with M. But when they turn to Emily, she's not there. Shit. M. He looks around and starts off down the street, calls out to Jessica standing on a picnic table out in front of the Graboid Museum, stretching for cell service. Have you seen my daughter? Red hair, smile that melts your heart. Nope. Sorry. Careful. Things around here have a fondness for falling apart. She nods in a don't patronize me kind of way seconds before a board breaks and she topples off the table. Val rushes to catch her and does just before she crashes to the ground, but the gallant move yanks his bad shoulder. You okay? She slides out of his arm, then stumbles, noticing that the heel on her shoe has broken off. Figures. Let me let me take a look. No, it's fine. It's, I'll, I'll take care of it. It's, it's my fault for wearing them to a place like this. Said with noticeable disdain. Val picks up the heel and walks to his truck, grabs the metal top to a mason jar and a small gasoline can, then brings it back to the bench. He takes Jessica's coffee cup and tosses what she hasn't finished. Hey, I was still drinking that! Perfection isn't always welcoming to outsiders. He breaks the styrofoam cup into pieces and puts them in the metal top. He pours a little gasoline into the cup and stirs. Or... Insiders either, I guess. Slowly, the styrofoam breaks down and creates a sticky glue. So, why are you still here? You must have had lots of chances to leave. He takes Jessica's leg and puts it on top of his. It's a lot of contact. Uh, okay. Then, with a knife from his pocket, Val pastes the glue into the heel and presses it back onto her boot. There's more to perfection than meets the eye. And well, when... Something ain't working right like it's supposed to. It, it ain't right just to walk away. Jessica eyes him curiously, points to the sign on his truck. Are you speaking metaphorically or as a handyman? <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Excuse me. He places her leg back on the ground, stands and give his flirtiest smile before walking off, calling out for Emily. Jessica wiggles the heel, but it doesn't budge. Looks up at Val, walking away. Now even more curious. Harlan is nearby, watching Val, too. I know. Tough guy to peg. Exterior, interior, Graboid Tours HQ. Frame photos of young Val posing with tourists vibrate to an unidentifiable pulse. The glass case of graboid rods and rack of camo jumpsuits also shake to the same erratic rhythm. And as we move deeper into the store, we hear a woman gasping for breath. It sounds like she's being attacked! 
until she lets out a long, sustained, guttural sound of unmistakable ecstasy. And on the other side of the picture wall, we find Emily and Nico, half-dressed, completely satisfied. I I have to go. Stay. You can be the graboid this time. You couldn't handle it. And I have to see my dad. Why? You avoided him all year. She glares at him like he's just crossed the line. I wish you told me you were coming. We said no long-distance contact. You said. I'm pretty sure you nodded. Nope. I was still as a statue. But isn't it so much hotter this way? No trying to decipher text tone. No, I thought you were going to call last night. No, who commented so hot on that photo you posted? No bullshit, kisses him. Just this. You trying to convince me or you? Because I was with you just now, and I know you feel more than your speaking tone implies. She's slow to respond. Just slow enough to think he might have a point. Then she covers with an irresistible smile. Yeah, it was amazing, and I can't wait to see you again. Whenever that may be. Nico isn't remotely satisfied by the answer. Em! Shit! <laughs> Emily throws on her shirt and steps out from behind the wall to see Val at the doorway. There you are! Nico comes out behind Emily. Emily discreetly glares at him but smiles back. Val tries to keep his cool, but the sight of them together is unsettling. And there you are. What's going on? Uh, Nico wanted to see the photo of you and Crocodile Dundee. She points to the photo behind her. Val eyes Nico, who looks at the photo for the first time. Emily moves quickly. Ready for our celebration lunch? Of course. <laughs> Great. Let's go. Emily shoots Nico a look as she leads Val out of the store. End of Act 2. This is grape juice, too, by the way. Act 3. Exterior Hunter's Point Access Road Day. Val's truck blows down a dirt road in the middle of empty desert, an area meant to be Phase 2 of a large housing subdivision. Interior, Val's truck day. Emily rides next to Val, but he's preoccupied, eyes fixed on the barren landscape, anxious. He notices something way off in the distance, a trail of dirt shooting up, like something's traveling very quickly along the desert floor or beneath it. He looks closer. Is the ground moving beneath the trail? Emily sees him getting lost, tries to bring him back. So how how you been? Good, good, real good. Uh, you? Good. Busy. Steals a look back out at the desert, but whatever he saw is gone. Val shakes it off and focuses on Emily. What kind of music are you listening to these days? I don't know, you know, different kinds. Silence. How's your mom? Good. Uh, great, actually. Still with, uh, uh, Terrence? Tim. Nine years. Really happy. I'm glad. Uh, your, mom, your mom's special. I was never equipped to, to do right by her. Lord knows I tried, but we were just too different. Yeah, 
so you've said. Why? Does, does she say otherwise? She barely talked about life back then. I, I guess that's one of your big differences. They turn into the developments phase one, where the houses were all built but are now mostly abandoned. Val drives down a street that dead ends at the desert, the abrupt conclusion of a plan frozen in time. Parked in the driveway of the last house before Oblivion is a bright pink Jeep with a big ribbon on the hood. Val pulls in behind it. Did I miss your birthday? <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's Harland. Uh, Emily isn't buying it. Yeah, he, uh, he left it the other night. They're too much to drink. He's drinking again? Just the one time. He, he's fine now, but, but best to keep this between us. So why is there a bow on it? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I had no idea what he was thinking, I'd be the richest man in perfection. Interior clinic day. The Datalux driver is on a bed, hooked up to an EKG monitor. Mindy checks his milky white eyes with a pen light, but he is completely unresponsive. Melvin hovers nearby. You know, it's weird we don't hang out more in Bixby, don't you think? Yeah, my, uh, my, my hours are crazy. Well, you find time to come here. Mindy stares at the monitors, baffled. Some kind of shock. Uh, neurogenic. Uh, you know, Adele's. Uh, I'm working with a chef. Uh, how about I get him to do a tasting menu? For us, Friday. I'm on call. Mindy scrapes the bottom of the driver's foot with her pen. There's no physical response, but the rhythmic beeping from the EKG machine changes ever so slightly. Mindy catches it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, Friday's no good for me either. Saturday then? Mindy makes a fist and drives her knuckles hard into the guy's chest. No physical response, but the EKG spikes and beeps loudly. Beep, beep. Melvin jumps back. Jesus, Doc, don't kill the guy. His brain's reacting to, to stimuli, but not his body. I, I, I need a CT scan. She pulls out her phone to dial. Not happening. Finds a landline, but it's dead. Of course it is. Do you have a signal? Melvin checks his phone, then shakes his head. Mindy's anxious. Kolgoski's got a satellite phone up. Uh, Call the hospital and, and tell them to send an ambulance. Sure. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to get the chef to have us to have something for us after we save this guy. We'll be starving. She looks at him with a lifetime of getting hit on experience. Is desperation really the way you want to play this? Melvin is excited by the brutality of her response. Not my first choice, no, but... I like having your attention. One ambulance coming up. He runs out. Mindy checks to make sure he's gone, then looks back at the driver, her brain spinning. She walks to a cupboard and pulls out the well-concealed silver metal briefcase she was carrying earlier. Surgical instruments on one side and vials of blood, tissue, and culture samples on the other. All of them marked Data Lux. She takes out a scalpel, scalpel and a tissue sample container. Cleans a section of the driver's arm, then brings the scalpel to his skin. If you can hear me, you're gonna feel a small prick. Like a bee sting. She carefully makes an incision. The monitor starts to go wild.
Exterior, desert day. Zoe sits cross-legged, covered in mud, eyes closed. Arthur studies her, willing her success. Incense, sticks burn. Silence. Then, frustrated, nothing. There's never nothing. The connection between you is always there. Find your breath. Match it with the earth's heartbeat. Zoe settles in. Breathes deeply with purpose. That's it. She'll come. Exterior Golgowski's trailer day. Melvin approaches an RV buried in a sea of metal formed into art pieces, sculptures, and chimes. The door is wide open. Raymond? No answer. Melvin pokes his head inside. Ray, you home? Under his breath, please don't be naked. Still nothing. So he goes in. Interior, Golgowski's trailer, day. Empty, but the kettle's boiling. Weird. Melvin hears a low howl from the bedroom. Ray, you back there? Something's definitely wrong. Melvin proceeds down the hallway with caution. His heart races as he inches towards the bedroom. He slowly crosses the bedroom door's threshold and immediately sees that the howl is being created by wind, whipping through a gigantic hole in the wall, like a man-sized chunk has been ripped out. Melvin steps to the edge and looks out into the desert. End Act 3. Interior, Val's house, day. Val's in the kitchen, working on French toast batter. Adds cinnamon, then carefully grates some nutmeg. Who was the guy that first decided to shave a nutmeg ball? Interior, Val's house, Emily's bedroom, day. Emily refamiliarizes herself with her bedroom. A little girl's room, updated with a smattering of adolescent treasures, like Bratz dolls, VHS tapes, Twilight books, which makes the presence of a newish IMAX seem extremely out of place. Uh, I don't know. After he got famous, do you think he tried shaving other nut balls? Like walnuts? Pistachio? Why is there a computer on my desk? You hate computers. No, I love them now. I am a computer in whiz. <laughs> it's not plugged in. Afraid my lightning fast typing might set the old wiring on fire. There's no mouse. Val pops into the room quickly, ripping open the package he got from Grace earlier. Uh, I, I keep it with me, in case I want to do any mousing on the road. Dad, is this for me? Did you did you think I was coming back to stay? No. And the Jeep. Because... Harlan falling off the wagon is a terrible thing to lie about. Fine. How else did you want to get around town? Uh, there's no way your rollerblades will still fit. This about the deal we made, right? When I was six? That I, I'd move back when I finished school? You always knew what you wanted. I meant kindergarten. Val is suddenly struck with a brainstorm of an idea. Hey, what if you did your, your internship here? Study the paleogenic process of the Greenland Sea? Uh, forget that! 
Lead your own project. Dad, no. Your mom never finished her work. None of them did. Graboids are still a mystery. Hell, you could change their name to Emily's. All their evidence led nowhere because they quit. We can see how much this bothers Emily, but she holds back. Mom didn't quit. Their their funding was pulled. She was the last one here. Things might be very different now. Can we talk about anything else? Suddenly a loud siren is heard in the distance. I think lunch is burning. It's the early warning system. He runs to the walkie-talkie base station in the living room. Harlan, you there? What's going on? Over! Interior Graboid Command Day. An above-ground cement bunker filled with outdated monitors and computer equipment. Their guts have been ripped out and rewired. Harlan stands over it, anxious. It's a mess. I'm getting false readings all over the place. Uh, Keep at it. I, I don't know, Val. This is a road I never wanted to go down again. Road, no, 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 no. You're barely standing on the sidewalk. You're fine. But Harlan is anything but fine. You know better than anyone how bad things got. Uh, everybody had a little graboid fever back then. Just just fix the system and meditate yourself back to normal. It's not that easy, Val. I, I broke your jaw. You were pissed off. I refused to believe the graboids were, were talking directly into your brain, calling to you from the mountains, and because they weren't. The mountains were five miles away. I I was losing my shit trying to justify why I came here to begin with. Dad, leave him alone. Forget it, Harlan. Hang on a second. Maybe maybe you were right. Maybe they were out there hiding this whole time. Don't you want to know for sure? I mean, deep down, isn't that why you stayed? No, I I stayed to overcome those very tendencies. To find peace within myself. To live in the present. Well, the present's knocking, pal, and we need to be ready, or it's gonna eat us. Over and out. Interior, Val's house, continuous. Val hangs up and turns to Emily. We gotta go. He said it's a false alarm. The system's messed up. You heard him. Too many coincidences for one day. Interior, Val's truck, day. Val, down the maid road, Val, down the main road toward town. Emily rides shotgun, worried about his speed. How about we do your graduation lunch in the Graboid bunker? It's, it's okay, forget it. I, I should get going anyway. No, 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 not yet. There's there's tons of good stuff. Freeze-dried cake, freeze-dried ice cream. Just watch the road. You love the bunker. It's where we had your favorite birthday. Emily turns and looks out the window. You were turning five... We stayed there all day watching movies, way after we knew it was a false alarm. Hey, I bet that It Takes Two VHS tape is still there. I I don't care about the Olsen twins. Never did. I loved that birthday because I got to be with you and Mom for the last time. Good. They hit something and the truck leaps into the air. On the landing, Val smashes his bad shoulder. Through the back window, they see a huge buckle stretching across the road. Where'd that come from? Have you been drinking? Boom! The truck hits something else and jumps in the air. Once again, Val smashes his shoulder and yells in pain. There's an identical buckle in the asphalt behind them. Must be seismic. Probably what was tripping up Harlan's system. Val turns the car off the road and into the desert. Where are you going? I can't lead this thing into town. Thing. No, Dad, Dad, stop. 
He swerves to avoid a rock, and the truck soars high into the air. When it crashes to the ground, Val really smashes his, his shoulder. He looks back in the rearview mirror. You still with me, asshole? There's nothing back there. He makes a sharp turn and races towards the edge of a cliff. Trust me. This truck's shaking like it might burst, bumping up and down against the ground, flying over rocks. This is how I beat these dumb bastards the last time, because they don't realize they've run out of ground. So he's going to shoot out of the side of the cliff and crash to the bottom of the canyon. Hulk Hogan named a wrestling move after it, the Valentine Bamboozle. They're just a dozen feet away from the edge in the huge, empty canyon that awaits them. Stop! He slams on the brakes and yanks the wheel. The truck skids, spraying dirt everywhere as it drifts towards the edge and stops. Just a few feet from the 200-foot drop, Val jumps out of the car, runs to the edge, and peers over. Emily's comes out and looks over, too, but nothing, nothing shoots out of the cliff. Nothing. Exterior, Chang's Market Day. Val's truck pulls in front of Chang's. Emily jumps out and heads straight for her rental car. Val rushes after her. Em, wait, wait, I'm sorry. We could have died. I I thought they were coming for us. Emily stops and turns back to him, livid. You want them back so badly, just like the good old days, like how you want everything. Look at your clothes, your hair. (laughs) You're trying to live in a memory that doesn't exist anymore because... Everything else has changed, including me. I I know that, of course. How? You have visited once. Harlan, Jessica, and Jai come out of Chang's to see what's going on. I didn't want the move to be any harder for you than it had to be. That was 20 years ago. I've adjusted. Mindy and Melvin come out of the clinic. When your mother left, she made it very clear. Don't you dare blame her. You left us! You were an angry drunk, and you pushed us away. How come you don't remember those stories? Disappearing for days to sign an autograph at a grocery store opening in bumfuck Idaho. Passed out in your truck, or on the lawn, or in the bathtub, and scaring the crap out of us. Accusing mom of, of breaking up the family whenever she got a job offer. And when she was finally given the chance of a lifetime, refusing to come to California with us. You broke her heart! Of course she didn't want to talk to you, but she never wanted you to stay away from me. She's the reason I kept coming to visit. She's the only reason I am here now to say goodbye. Because you sure as hell aren't coming to Greenland. You can never leave because the people out there would see you for who you really are. And your fantasy would shatter. She stares at him, heartbroken and angry. Then... Pie. She gets into her car, all eyes on Val. He's crushed, shell-shocked, and can't stop her as she pulls out and drives away. Exterior, desert day. Arthur and Zoe are packing up their stuff. Zoe's despondent. Maybe the, maybe, maybe my visions are bullshit. Zoe... A subconscious wish, because my dad, she came to you. Then, then where is she? His answer is passionate and powerful. Sexy, even. The needs of mankind have brought nature to its knees. So to serve her, we must bend lower. Replace our ego 
with her will and never waver in the belief that even diminished, her power is boundless. And she chose you. Which just confirms the, the supreme divinity of her judgment and prevents me from ever questioning her motives. Hey! They turn to see a Datalux tech limping toward them. His deep relief barely noticeable through the layers of pain and fear. Oh, thank God! What happened? Just just get me out of here, man! Uh, okay, hang on. She eases him to the ground, then rushes to help Arthur grab their stuff. When she glances back at the driver, she notices a cloud of dust in the distance, and extending from it a trail of displaced sand and rock, as though something is moving beneath the surface, heading right at them. Arthur... Something's out there. He looks up, but the second he does, the trail stops. Like, whatever caused it just descended deeper underground. I don't see anything. Then suddenly, the tech is pulled underground! Zoe and Arthur run to the spot where he disappeared and nothing! A hand punches out of the, out of the, out of the sand. The tech is back! Zoe grabs his hand and pulls him out. She pulls out his head, then other hand, arm, chest. He's yelling, struggling to find safe ground, but even with pooled strength, they can't get the rest of him out. Then something gives, and Zoe goes flying back, still holding the tech's hand. Except, he's been cut off at the torso. She sees and screams. Arthur pulls her away, just as what's left of the tech is violently yanked down beneath the surface. After which, the ground settles like nothing happened. End Act 4, Act 5. Interior, Chang's Market, Day. Val is drinking a beer. Not his first. He's gutted. Harlan is next to him. Everyone else is keeping their distance. I stayed away for Emily's sake. I didn't know anything about raising a little girl. Believe me, Rhonda never missed a chance to tell me how bad I was screwing up. He was worried, man. About your drinking? About the future? A future she made herself, by the way. But I respected her choices and gave him a chance to start fresh. Knowing in my heart that one day I'd get my chance with Emily and instead she hates me. She doesn't hate you. Were you not listening? I heard a girl who wants a deeper relationship with her father to be what you care about most. Then why didn't she stay? Because you picked the graboids. I was trying to protect her from him. And if he was right, we'd owe him our lives again. Man, I am so tired of that bullshit story. Look, he saved you. Not me. He used me as bait. Like the, the self-obsessed like the self-obsessed jerk Emily said he was. That's enough, Melvin. A flash of anger from Harlan who stands and backs Melvin away from Val to the counter. Enough enough what, Harlan? Enough truth? Mindy follows after Melvin. Don't don't listen to him, Val. He he's petty and jealous and doesn't know what he's talking about. Jealous? Of what? I feel sorry for the guy. I said Enough. The dark warning in Harlan's voice catches both Mindy and Melvin by surprise and shuts Melvin up quick. Harlan recovers. Uh, Jai, uh, can we get some coffees, please? (laughs) 
decaf for you two. <laughs> meanwhile, Jessica switched quickly quiet. Meanwhile, Jessica quietly sits down next to Val. You know, my dad was a real bastard when I was growing up, but I never told him like your daughter just did. Lucky guy. So he spent his life wondering why I didn't want him in mine, which made me feel really superior. But on the other hand, I never got to have a father. If I'd given him a chance, maybe he would have made things right. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't brave enough to find out. Val's moved. The door swings open. Arthur and Zoe enter. They're actively trying to appear unanxious. Uh, you have any more fertilizer, Grace? Zoe hangs back and sneaks behind Val. When she's satisf satisfied that Arthur isn't looking, she grabs Val's arm. She looks freaked out and whispers to him in a low, terrified voice. When you looked into the eyes of a graboid, did you see a goddess? Or a monster. Her fear is unnerving, but before Val can respond, Arthur appears with a bag of fertilizer and yanks her away. The terrified look on Zoe's face disappears out the door. Val spins to Harlan, his eyes blazing. Did you see that? I smelt it. The fear? No, whatever the fuck that kid was smoking. It literally smells like shit. I'm talking about Zoe. I know that look. She saw something. It takes Harlan a second to realize what he's suggesting. Hang, hang on. You're upset, but don't, don't run away from it. Turning your focus to the graboids is exactly what brought you to this point. I know what I saw. Exterior, Chang's Market, day. Val comes running out, Harlan right behind him, with Melvin, Jessica, and Mindy on his heels. That David Caress kid was buying fertilizer. I bet they're making a bomb to, to blow up the graboid. Or fertilizing their weed crop. I gotta stop them. Yeah, you do that, chicken little. I'll, I'll help. No, no, no. Y you can't. W what about the driver? Rachel's there now, and I can't move, and move him until we get an ambulance. I'll come too. What? <laughs> Even Val's a little surprised. Right or wrong, I want to be there. Appreciate it, Harlan. Man. I'm sure glad Emily left now. Harlan nods. He is too. So, uh, what do you want us to do? Find the hippies. I'll grab some equipment. Catch up. He goes to his truck. Mindy follows. Calls to Harlan. I'll help Val. She jumps in the passenger seat and Val drives away, leaving Harlan, Melvin, and Jessica. Melvin's pissed. I don't know what's going on, but I am not waiting around here to figure it out. She starts for her car and looks back to see if Melvin is leaving too, but he doesn't move. I'm staying. Off Harlan's shock. Hey, I, I want to be there when you all realize Val's a fraud. <laughs> Jessica laughs at the depths of his pettiness as she gets into her car and drives off. Zen, man! Zen! <laughs> Melvin goes to his car while Harlan lumber, lumbers to the steps of the market where Grace is waiting. When she's sure Melvin is out of earshot, she looks at Harlan with genuine concern. What are you doing? Val needs me. It's not him I'm worried about. She picks up his hand and 
holds it to the air, like a gunslinger proving his steadiness. But his hand is trembling. Squeeze my boob. I'm better. the, The medication, then squeeze. Hard. He checks to make sure Melvin isn't looking, then squeezes one of Grace's boobs. It hurts him, not her, but she's satisfied. Don't do anything stupid, like die. Harlan leans in and gives her a tender and very loving kiss. Exterior tunnel day. Emily's car curves around the dusty road, but comes to a sudden stop outside the tunnel entrance. The tunnel has completely collapsed. She gets out to look. There's no way through. Nico pulls up on his motorcycle. What happened? I have no idea. Shit! You you weren't going to say goodbye? I did. You weren't listening. Well, I'm, I'm coming with you. To Vegas. Then, then Greenland. Nico, don't. I've stayed here working in shit so I could have the life of my choosing. And I choose you. And you think the universe is going to bend to your will just because you made a decision? The universe doesn't care. You don't need to do that. Emotional firewalls are your dad's thing. You think you know me? Nico shrugs. Yeah, he does. Emily shakes her head. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going anywhere. There's a there's another way out of town. No, there isn't. But the certainty in Nico's eyes creates doubts in Emily's. Interior Graboid Tours HQ Day. Val and Mindy open every drawer, cupboard and case, to find the very best in Graboid hunting equipment. The gravity of the moment juxtaposed with extremely strange weapons. Exterior Graboid Tours HQ Day. Val finishes loading the truck and winces in pain as he throws a pile of Graboid rods into the back. What's wrong with your shoulder? Nothing. (laughs) She moves behind him and expertly slides her arm through his and around to the back of his head. Val stiffens. Breathe and relax. Val doesn't do either, so Mindy presses against him and pulls back his shoulder, demonstrating her control. I'm not going to ask again. Val submits, and as he lets out a deep breath, Mindy yanks his arm back and pops his shoulder, then then turns him around so their faces are just inches apart. Feel better? She eyes him like a toy. Killer coquettishness. Val's head is spinning uncomfortable and intrigued and confused. I'm not the little girl who used to bounce around on a pogo stick dripping with promise, but I still love to bounce. (laughs) Val, you there? Val is frozen. Mindy's body is still pressed against his. She slowly reaches down to his crotch, where the walkie-talkie hangs from his belt. She hands it to him. Val responds. (laughs) Yeah, Harlan. Over. We've got Arthur. Near Trident Rock. Things are getting weird. Exterior main road day. Jessica drives away from perfection. Past an empty rock quarry, excavator, bulldozer, car half buried in the ground. She gives the odd sight a second look when a light flashes from the driver's side window of the buried car and hits her in the face. Anxious to leave, she keeps driving. Weird town. But curiosity and concern gnaw at her, so she stops, looks back. The light flashes her again. It's a hand mirror reflecting the sun into her eyes. She gets out to investigate. Jessica walks toward the car, calling out, Hey, is there somebody there? You okay? The mirror is replaced with a piece of paper. Jessica isn't close enough to read what's being written on it. 
You all right in there? She moves closer, trying to decipher the handwriting, closer and closer until she's finally able to read, Stop talking. She stops. The paper is replaced by a woman's face, scared, eyes wide. She brings a finger to her parsed lips. The woman rolls down her window. She's wearing a construction uniform, and her leg is cut. Jessica helps pull her out of the car and onto the ground. The woman whispers into her ear, Not a sound. She steps away, confused. Jessica looks around, notices blood on the excavator door, a bloody helmet on the ground. She looks to see where the woman... She looks to see the woman already halfway towards her car, waving at her to hurry. Jessica does, taking quick, soft steps. When crack, her heel breaks, the one bow fixed. The woman looks at her, panic in her eyes, imploring her to shut the fuck up, then climbing between strips of barbed wire next to Jessica's car. She reaches for the door when a loud squawk chirps from the walkie-talkie on her belt. She immediately turns it off, terrified, then looks around, waits, scared, and it's violently ripped down below the surface. Jessica screams, then covers her mouth and turns around. With the graboid between her and the car, she spots the highest ground she can find, a huge pile of rocks, and runs for it as fast as she can. She looks back over her shoulder and sees a ridge forming in the dirt, heading her way. She trips and falls to the ground. Fuck! Quickly recovers and races for the rock pile like a woman possessed, the dirt trail gaining on her. But she makes it to the rock pile first. She scrambles up the rocks as the dirt trail submerges below the rock pile and out of sight. On top of the rocks, Jessica squeezes herself into a ball, sucking back tears, scared out of her fucking mind. Exterior desert day. Emily's on the back of Nico's motorcycle as he navigates the empty desert, stopping at the same sunken cement bunker where Yai saw Mindy appear out of nowhere. He gets off and takes a crowbar from one of his saddlebags, wedges it along the edge of the cinder blocks that cover the doorway. He strains and finally gets the cinder block wall moving. It opens entirely to reveal a high-tech tunnel that stretches into the darkness. What is this? If you really want to leave, I can get you out of the valley. Emily gets off the motorcycle to get a better look. She eyes Nico with suspicion. How do you know about this? Who, who else does? Not you, okay? No, not okay. Why is it a secret? He walks into the tunnel. You want to learn about perfection or leave it? She hesitates, then takes a step into the tunnel. No, what? A deafening monstrous growl! They look at each other, stunned, then turn to the doorway. But the cinder block wall automatically slides shut, locking them in. Exterior desert day. Harlan quietly leads Val and Mindy to a boulder. Melvin is already there, hiding. A few dozen yards away ahead, Arthur, Zoe, and six other deliberates are gathered in a tight circle. They've been circle-jerking like this for that for 20 minutes. Is this, is this what you were hoping to see? Val takes out jumpsuits, boots, and helmets. Put these on. They're made of graboid-proof dynamo fiber. The boots cut down on vibration. And helmets will keep your breathing in check so they won't hear... Oh, get over it! He reaches past the protected clothing and grabs a shoulder-fired missile launcher. Melvin, don't be an idiot! But Melvin's up before Val can stop him. He steps out in front of the boulder and calls out to the... De calls out to the deliberates. Hey, any of you freaks seen a big worm? The deliberates all turn to see him. None of them surprised. 
or worried about the rocket launcher in his hand. Arthur, as a matter of fact, he and the others step away and reveal they've been hiding a graboid hole, covered with ripped clothing and fresh blood and guts, lots of blood. It's a horrific sight. Val and the others and the others behind the boulder know immediately what the hole is and realize that god damn the graboids are back. Oh shit. Here, take my keys. Why? Where are you going? He doesn't answer. Instead he moves out from behind the boulder and starts towards the deliberates. Val, don't Hey, you guys uh happen to know how recently that hole was made? Val couldn't pass up a chance to be the hero again, huh? We were counting on it. Val glances to, jo- to Zoe, who shrugs. She lured him here. But Val doesn't care. His swagger is back. This is his moment. Well, you got me. No idea why, but that can wait. Because right now, I need you to slowly make your way to that boulder behind me. I'll drive as many people back to town as I can, then come back for the rest. The graboids respond to sound and vibration, so step quietly and don't talk. Because if they know where you are, they'll kill you. Except, we're not afraid, Val. We came to perfection to help them. To help you make amends. Hell, are you talking about? The graboids were created to bring balance back to earth and you nearly stopped them from fulfilling their destiny and what you want me to apologize apology fuck no i want you to sacrifice yourself it's the only restitution worthy of your brutality and i know you're stoned but the fire you're playing with is a cold-blooded monster that eats fire for breakfast Arthur pulls out a gun and fires a shot next to Val's head. Val freezes. Mindy, Harlan, and Melvin duck behind the boulder. She's not a monster. Now give me your gear. Val doesn't move. Arthur points the gun in his face. Give me your gear. And everyone else, get on the boulder. So you can watch Val's empty existence miraculously end with meaning. Val starts to take off his Graboid protective suit. Zoe and the Deliberates climb onto the boulder next to Harlan, Mindy, and where Melvin discre- next to Harlan, Mindy, and, and where Melvin discreetly aims the launcher at Arthur. I'm gonna blow this idiot back to Burning Man. Just don't hit Val. I'm not hitting Val. I'm saving the bastard. Val is out of his suit and pretends to struggle with his boots, but really signals to Melvin and shout whispers, "Launcher." Shoot him on my signal. You don't tell me what to do. Said louder than reason would recommend. His plan is now completely exposed. Mindy and Harlan look at Melvin in disbelief. Put down the launcher, dipshit. Arthur points the gun at Melvin, who immediately complies. Arthur smiles and paces around Val. You're the monster here, Val. You disgust me. The persona you cling to is based on an act of genocide. And somehow you have deluded yourself into believing you are more powerful than nature. Which, as we're about to see, isn't the case. He slips into Val's boots and puts the gun to his head and leads him forward. Walk. Keep going. 
He pushes Val to keep walking while he takes a position on a medium-sized rock. There's good. Right there. Now sing and dance. Not enough for her to hear you. Kid, you don't want to do this. Whatever you think is going to happen isn't, I promise. I said dance, old man! Twenty-five years and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope. Each time his foot hits the dirt, we can practically feel the vibrations shoot through the ground. Everyone watches nervously. Arthur paces around Val. Louder! And I scream from the top of my lungs. What's going on? Val! Then they all see it a hundred yards away. Dust in the air. Movement just beneath the surface. A graboid. Coming closer. Fast. Arthur's eyes go wide in ecstasy. Fifty feet. Forty feet. Thirty feet. With Arthur's eyes on the graboid, Melvin picks up the launcher. He aims at the monster, carefully sizing up the shot, then shoots. There's a puff of smoke, but the missile lands two feet in front of him. A dud. Val's heart sinks. Melvin's embarrassed and really frustrated. Nothing works here! You're wrong, dipshit. Perfection's working on a cosmic level. Your tiny brain can't comprehend. The graboid hasn't slowed 25 feet. 20 feet. Val calls out to Mindy, Mindy, Harlan, and Melvin. When he's busy with me, run to the truck and get out of here. We're not leaving you. Well, I'm leaving you. And tell Emily. She's the best damn thing that ever happened to me. Fear and anger and sadness have given away to acceptance. And Val turns away from Mindy, the others, and walks straight towards the oncoming graboid. Fifteen feet, ten feet. He braces for the inevitable as the creature arrives at his feet. Then goes right past Val and straight to Arthur, who barely manages to say, But but I'm 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 wearing the I'm wearing the boots. The earth opens and a graboid emerges from the depths. Bigger and more disgusting than the old photos. Its huge mouth opens. A dark cesspool of fangs. It screams in Arthur's face. Then inexplicably, the graboid closes its mouth, dives back underground, and disappears as quickly as it appeared. Mindy, Harlan, and Melvin run from their boulder toward Val, yelling at the bewildered deliberates to get the hell out of there. Zoe races to Arthur. What the hell just happened? Doesn't matter. We gotta get Arthur and Nosepiercer get to the rock. Uh, Arthur and Nosepiercer, get to the rock! That grabboat will be right back! Harlan, Mindy, Melvin, run to my truck! But Arthur doesn't move. Arthur, run! Doesn't even flinch. Something's wrong. Then Mindy recognizes the frozen expression of terror on his face. And puts it together. He's paralyzed like, like the driver. Trapped in his body. The graboids are freezing their victims. They don't wait to eat. They just kill. Maybe they're getting food for someone else in the pack. Trust me. I've been through all this before. They don't play well with others. They don't plan. Strategize. There's no pack. Yeah? Well tell that to them. 
He points at the ground around Val and Arthur where the dirt outlines of six graboids rise up in the sand in a circle. An organized battalion that has been lurking beneath the surface. Val can't believe what he's seeing. Then they suddenly start to break the surface. Forget everything I said! Run for the truck! He turns to run. End of pilot. Woo! What's up? Holy shit brigades. That thing is intense. I love it. Oh my god. Ah! Ha! Like seriously? I love that ending. Oh, Val didn't know shit. Ah! Didn't know shit. Everybody hates that part in the trailer. Oh, what's Val talking about? Oh, they don't plan. They don't strategize. Did he forget the first movie? That's the fucking point! That's the fucking point! Especially when you follow it up with, Forget everything I said! Run! <laughs> Woo! Andrew Miller! Oh! Oh! Bravo, man! Also, fucking love that fucking... What's going on? I never thought that Thor Nine Blondes totally took that from when Kevin Bacon did it in the first Tremors movie. I know they did. If I ever meet the people who, who make Four Nine Blondes, that will be my first question. How much did you love Kevin Bacon in Tremors? Because ah, it's very clear. Yeah. I mean, imagine what the rest of that season would have been, too. Uh, just eight episodes. The idea was over 72 hours finding out everything that happened. Uh, it's pretty clear that we would have got Data Lux uh, combining with the Trilateral Corporation from the TV show. Uh, there's enough Changs there for me to maybe think that, okay, uh, Jody is around too. Maybe she just gave it up to somebody else. I don't know. Uh, Melvin's there. Melvin, actually, I fucking love Melvin pointing out how much Val was a dick to him during the first Graboid attack. Absolutely brilliant. And the idea of Mindy being attracted to Val because she, like, grew up with that guy saving her life. Oh! Wow. Fucking... Fucking love that. And I would love to see how much farther it got because the entire point of the Perfection Valley Vortex is something, again, brought up in the TV show. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! So if you haven't watched the TV show, you don't know shit about Tremors. But the Perfection Valley Vortex and Harlan repeatedly re uh, referring to time as a pancake uh, and everything that's happening being circular, cyclical... Oh my god, what a perfect series to do that kind of thing in, because the entire, what we all love about Tremors, when it comes to writing and storytelling, is how you have something at the beginning, always come back around to the end. Uh, even more so, if you go through and listen, and you're actually paying attention, the use of six, there are six prairie dogs at the beginning, there are six Data Lux drivers, and then there are six graboids that come out of the ground in an organized battalion. There's a lot that I could go over for this, uh, which we will do in the next episode following this. I just wanted you all to have a look at whatever that was. That's really cool. Uh, and I'm going to end with some thank yous. Uh, thank you, Kevin Collins, at BeetleBear. That dude on Twitter, on Discord, on everywhere. Fantastic human being. Um, you all, if you're fans of Tremors, need to up your game. And be more like that dude. Uh, because, yeah, fucking amazing person. Thank you, Rattlecat, uh, Rattlesire, for giving such detailed critiques and notes on these podcasts. Huge love and thank you. 
thank you to also the Sons and Shadow podcast with Kevin Smith and Jeff Johnson uh, for also giving that push and stuff. And on that note, I wanna I wanna like almost end with this thank you of thank you Harley Smith. You are adorable, and you made me want to push myself and do something I was totally afraid to do. Uh, yeah, keep watching Tremors. Keep fast forwarding to the parts you like. You're doing great, girl. Like, booyah. Uh, <laughs> and if anything, I get paid for none of this. Uh, this is all doing this in my free time. Uh, if you could support other people and stuff, that's great. Uh, especially the Stampede team. But I do want to, there's this wonderful organization called the Lava Lamp Foundation. Uh, a friend of mine died of a heroin overdose because somebody literally left him while he had taken some and he died uh, without getting help. And the Lava Lamp Foundation is all about helping people even when it seems like we shouldn't be helping them at all. Um, so please give them your, your love and even more so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will see you the next time. Love to you all and have a good one.